With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, let me explain to you some way or the way that I live, and I'm going to do it to you as succinctly as I possibly can. Are you ready? All right, I hate frauds. I hate frauds like I hate freaking uh, cilantro. I got that gene that you don't like cilantro. Uh, it's the same thing with frauds. You know, you see it every day. You see frauds every single day. I'm going to open up with the guy that absolutely drives me crazy. And this guy could be any guy. Now, follow me here. Frauds, politicians, frauds. I've told you this forever. Little media guys and politicians are the same guys. Let me explain to you why. They have never, ever in their lives been popular, smart, but never popular. Then all of a sudden, right, they become, oh, I don't know, a writer. They become a politician. They become somebody that, you know what, we've got to go about the business of being popular. All of a sudden, people are paying attention to us, and they screw it up because, frankly, they're not used to it. An athlete is used to it at 18, 17 years old. I've talked about this. Let's go to Pete Buttigieg. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're going to be a politician and you're going to fight everybody, everybody, over our carbon footprint, we want you to go green. We want you to be, oh, I don't know, better about what you're doing with emissions. We don't want emissions. Well, you know what this jackass did? This guy flew on taxpayer-funded jets, taxpayer-funded jets, 18 different private flights, 18 of them. I swear to God, in my life, I pay my taxes. I pay them twice. I pay them before they end for the corporation that I own, and then I pay my personal taxes coming up on April 15th. This is the first year of my life. And tell me if you don't feel this way. This is the first year of my life. I don't want to pay my taxes. I'm seeing what my taxes are funding. I'm seeing I'm funding a war in the Ukraine. I'm seeing that I am looking at this guy, Pete Buttigieg, taking flights on taxpayer money. 18 of them, minimum. While he is the transportation secretary who is talking to us about climate change constantly, cutting down our admission, emissions. You know what this idiot is going to do to you? He's going to lie to you, look at you, and tell you, well, I had to get there. We're trying to cut down our emissions by 2030, and me traveling here is all of a part of it. I don't know. Uh, I kind of agree with people that say things like this. Are you ready? Shouldn't anyone who espouses that hypermoralism, uh, that hypermoralism in terms of environmentalism, shouldn't be the ones who have to live the most stringent lives or should be? The, uh, sh- Let me start again. Shouldn't anyone who espouses that hypermoralism in terms of environmentalism, shouldn't they be the ones who have to live the most stringent lives in terms of keeping themselves from enjoying luxuries like private jet travel? He's an advocate for increased government action 
to curb carbon emissions, and yet this jackass, this fraud, this hypocrite is doing what? What? He's flying privately on taxpayer money. I got to tell you, I don't want to pay for these guys. I don't want to pay for them. It's the first time in my life. What's the alternative? You got to pay your taxes, right? I got to pay my taxes so that these idiots, these idiots can do whatever they want, lie to us, live their lifestyle, only worry about staying in power, because let's be honest, why else would an 83-year-old woman like Nancy Pelosi be running for re-election? She wants to stay in power. It's ridiculous to me, Emily Conpagno, who is a co-host of Outnumbered on Fox, it's ridiculous to me, walk the walk, man, that our taxpayers are funding for someone to travel internationally to Canada to pick up an award for advocating LGBTQ rights. Why then wouldn't you, in your symbolism of advancement, take a commercial flight? The notion that this holier-than-thou, uh, holier-than-thouness is costing me, that's what I can't take. I would love for my tax dollars to stop paying for this hypocrisy. It's unbelievable what we do in this country with this administration and where our tax dollars go. It's the first time in my life. Maybe I've grown up. Maybe, maybe, just maybe I've grown up. I don't know. But I got to tell you, I don't know about how you feel, but I feel like this is the dumbest, most ridiculous, but typical thing that we are ever ever, ever going to find. It just is. All right? Let me give you something else. This drives me nuts. Chuck, Chet Gladchuck is the longtime athletic director at Navy. He has been there forever. Chet Gladchuck is a guy that, hey, look, he's a very popular guy. He's the kind of guy that everybody, every single person in college football knows. Everybody, I'm going to stop right here, and I just got an alert, and this is very sad news. Mike Leach has passed away. Uh, According to ESPN, I just got the alert, 61-year-old coach, Mike Leach, I got goosebumps, of Mississippi State, passed away, had a cardiac arrest, and he just passed away. I had the opportunity to vacation once with Mike Leach, Urban, myself, our wives, some other couples. We were down in the Keys, had a great time with Mike Leach. Fun, fun, fun man. Matter of fact, man, everybody likes Mike Leach. Every single person that I came in contact with. Mike Leach, one night, we were just hanging out in this house, just having some beers, playing some cards, eating dinner. Mike Leach and a buddy of his came on a boat to see Urban. And it was on. And it was fun. Mike Leach was one of a kind. Mike Leach didn't care what you thought, but the media didn't get get mad at him for whatever the reason. Mike Leach was, I don't know, I think a great coach. I think he is one of the innovative coaches of our time. Mike Leach at 61 years old, 61, died of a heart attack. Uh, That is very sad news. We're going to talk to Trey Wallace Uh, coming up here in about 10 minutes to discuss the legacy uh, of Mike Leach. Very, 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 very sad news. Thoughts and prayers, of course, but memories even more so. Loved his interviews, loved what he had to say. The whole pirate thing was interesting. I don't think it necessarily defined Mike Leach, but it was fun and it was interesting. But Mike Leach 
uh, has passed away at age 61. Now, you got to understand, a lot of you are younger than 61. I'm right at 60 and a half. I mean, when people tell you you don't give a damn when you turn 60, they are not lying to you. I am one of those guys, man. You can fire me. You can write about me. You can do whatever. And I always felt a kindred spirit with Mike Leach. Mike told me we were sitting having a beer uh, at a seafood little outdoor restaurant, and he was out of coaching. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm working for Sirius XM. He goes, this is the greatest thing ever. I make 500 bucks a day. Every uh, commercial, I go jump in my pool. I do it outside. He was living down in Key West. He goes, this is the greatest job ever. I said, will you go back into coaching? Yeah, in a heartbeat. I go, well, I thought you just said you had the greatest job ever. He said, yeah, but it ain't coaching. I love coaching. Sad. Very, very sad. And we'll continue the conversation. All right, I want to get into Navy football for a second. I saw this the other day, and I want your reaction to this. I'm going to go to the YouTube chat because I got to tell you, this is unbelievable to me. This is incredible. This is why I never, ever, ever listen. I never listen when people say, well, you know, this is the ESPN family, or this is the so-and-so family, or this is the whatever family. You know, Coach Ken, uh, Neo Matatolo, was sitting in the locker room after an incredibly heartbreaking loss to Army. I mean, their player fumbles on the half-yard line. They played their hearts out. It was a whale of a game, even better environment. Coach Ken had been there for 25 years. So in walks athletic director Chet Gladchuk. So Gladchuk comes in, and Gladchuk says, yeah, well, you're fired. You what? Yeah, you're fired. In the locker room, after the game, before the man even had a chance to digest what had just happened. The guy had been there 25 years. Can you imagine the lives that he impacted and the great things that Coach Ken impacted at Navy? All-time winning as coach. Hey, look, I get it. Four and ten record uh, against other service academies. I get that. They did not win uh, a bowl game. They did not win the Commander's Trophy. I get all of it. And if you want to fire him, who am I to say that you shouldn't? Who am I to say that you shouldn't? But I got to tell you, don't do it in the locker room right there. Guy gave his heart. Guy gave his soul. Now, you can say I just wanted to rip the Band-Aid off. And Gladchuck is basically what he just said. Here, here is what Coach Ken said. First of all, we just got kicked in the gut, which they did hard. I was a little bit numb prior to him saying that, so most of it I just couldn't comprehend, Coach Ken said. I'm just like, Chet, why don't you take some time to relax? And he said, well, it's been building up. Well, great, it's been building up. Fantastic, good for you. It's building up in you. He said, that's been a, a, a Gladchuk said there was a problem. That's been a constant bar we strive for is achieve those two goals I just talked about, which I believe are realistic and reasonable. It's been consistent for 20 years. Therefore, this does not come as any surprise. It's just an expectation that unfortunately fell short. I don't give a damn. You want to fire a coach, fire a coach. You think a guy deserves to be fired because he hasn't met expectations? That's fine. But I'll tell you this. I was at that game, and the people around the Naval Academy are first class in every single area, except in this. This is crap. Yes, Mr. Gladchuck, you felt it coming. Yes, 
he did not meet your expectations. And I think I do. I think even the coach would admit to that. But just because you feel that way does not mean that you must go do to another human being what you did. There has to be empathy. There has to be a little bit of class. You have to reflect the institution that you are at and, and you must, you must, must have compassion for another human being if you truly understand what coaching is and even more so if you truly understand what Navy is supposed to be. But you don't. No different than anywhere else. And I got to tell you, for me personally, this is incredibly disappointing because as I told you yesterday, I went to that game. I could not have come away just so in love with the whole idea of Navy, Army, everybody involved. And to see this makes me think, wait a second, did I see what was real, at least in the athletic department? Did I see what I thought I saw, or was I just given a very, very, very small view, and Navy is nothing more, might as well be USC or Notre Dame, or excuse me, Ohio State. We all have great respect and appreciation for his 25 years of service to the academy. That's horse bleep. That's complete crap. You don't have an appreciation. If you wanted to fire him, fine. You don't do it in the locker room. I don't give a damn what anybody else says. I don't give a damn what you think. I don't give a damn. You just don't do that. Give him a press conference. Give him a chance to see the team. Give him a chance to sleep on. I mean, but don't fire him in the freaking locker room. It is unbelievable. Legacy, 109.83. He took it over in 07, 6-5 and five in bowl games, that kind of thing. Can you imagine the lives that that man impacted? I, I got to tell you, it's unbelievable. On the other side of the coin is Chris Beard. On the other side is Chris. I don't know if you read the police report on Chris Beard, who is a friend of mine uh, from the University of Tennessee, and what he and his girlfriend slash fiance got involved in early in the morning on uh, Monday morning. But there's biting, there's kicking, there's hitting, and I got to tell you, it's very, very simple. Chris Beard will not coach at Texas again unless something is dramatically different from the police report. I know that, and I've been told this, you don't understand the corrupt good old boys at the University of Texas. You're right, I don't. But what I do understand is marching a coach out there that has this in his recent history, it ain't happening. Biting and hitting and choking, a felony count, $10,000 fine. He was in jail till yesterday at 3 o'clock. You know, the lawyer's saying it's inconceivable. Fine, whatever lawyers want to say. I read the police report, and I'm like, well, there's no chance this guy coaches. He better get himself help. He better put himself in a position. Whatever the cause was, he's got to go rehab it somewhere, whether it was alcohol, whether it was not. I don't know, and I don't pretend to know. But you're not just stepping out of jail with all this and coaching, I don't think, ever again at Texas. But again, I'm an idiot, apparently, because I wouldn't have fired freaking Coach Ken at Navy in the locker room, I wouldn't have hired Calvin Sampson anywhere at Indiana or Houston. I'm just nuts. I'm the guy that left West Virginia and $3.5 million with a young family over some moral stuff that some idiot president 
tried to come at me with about the university, hiding allegations. So I'm totally wrong because I'm the guy that gets ripped in the media for being a dishonest guy. All these other guys are great. I'm wrong. Disregard whatever I say. But I got to believe if I'm the AD, two things are happening. If I needed to fire Coach Ken, he would have been fired in my office on Sunday. And there's not a chance in hell, none, unless everything turns out to be a lie that Chris Beard is coaching a game again for any team that I am ever involved with. But again, hell, I'm a bad guy. All right. Um, Bad news today. Horrible news uh, today. On the passing of uh, Coach Leach. Mike Leach dead, 61, and I hate it. Uh, What are you thinking here, Trey? What do you got? Hey, good morning, guys. How are y'all? Good, buddy. Good. Good. Um, Just a... um... Just what's a his terrible, legacy, Trey? What, what, what's his legacy? A guy that uh, – a, a coach that innovated the offense, um, took something from how Mummy, you know, learned it, crafted even further. Um, what he did at Washington State, uh, I, I thought was amazing after, you know, everything at, at Texas Tech, you know. And I just think he leaves a – a lasting impact on the way his, his candor as well, Dan, uh, the way that he, he spoke about his team, the way that he did not disappear from questions, um, the way that he, you know, I was watching something last night and he was talking about student loan debt in, in, at Washington state. And, he brought up, you know, you, he hated that these kids had to go through this, uh, you know, non-football players. And, you know, how he'd, he'd rather spend a, a week in jail than have to do have to pay back student loans. And if he'd get rid of it that way, he could. He wishes he could change things in society for the betterment of, of these young students, not student athletes. He was talking about the people on campus. You know, Mike Leach was a... Soft-spoken but outspoken man, and I hope that makes sense. Um, he was a guy that the, the air raid offense. I mean, if you think about that, you you think about the, the back to the time at Texas Tech and Michael Crabtree, and you know they're they're number one in the country. Um, you know, this is a guy that had a lasting impact in Starkville, Mississippi during the time that that he was there uh, in, in three years being in Starkville. Um, you know, it is, to me, it stands out something, Dan, that he was an organ donor. Um, the last thing that they were doing uh, yesterday, I have been told, um, is, is making sure every part of the process and the organ donor process uh, what was done right and and got handled in the correct way. His family was by his side. Um, lots of university officials and and former bosses. Um, it's just a it's a very very gut wrenching time and it's very eye opening, Dan. That uh, you know uh, after after this past weekend when. Um, International soccer reporter last week, Grant Wall passed away, you know, and, and it was that was the kind of shocking thing. And 
And then all of a sudden you got a coach in Mike Leach who's who's handling bowl practice on Monday and going to a, a media party to hang out with folks that cover him Saturday night to not being with us uh, today, but everything that happened on Sunday, it's very shocking. And um, it's going to hit the college football world really hard. Well, I want to talk about that. I had a chance to have beers with Coach Leach, play cards, go to dinner on a vacation uh, years ago. And, you know, Urban Meyer, uh, he came to see Urban at the at the place we were staying. And I got the impression, and I talked to Urban and other coaches since, people just really liked Mike Leach. Like, it didn't matter if you were, like, three-time national champion or you were Nick Saban. Mike Leach was kind of the guy, and I don't know how to put this exactly, that you, in weird way, even though, and I could tell this with Urban, admired Mike Leach and the way that he went about his business and his brain and his thought process and his coaching ability. Great coaches admired Mike Leach. Let's put it that way. Isn't that the amazing part of it? Uh, the amount of support. You know, he has his own tree as well. You know, you can add Lincoln Riley. There's a bunch of coaches on this tree, and it's and it's wild. Um, he was just he he was so funny. You know, I remember back to SEC media days, and Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, gave him this. I posted this on social media last night. Gave him this tribute. Uh, this 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 um, describing everything that he had done in the last year, where he went to Columbia and Panama and. Uh, he was a, a lover of World War II books and loved giving out Netflix recommendations. And I mean, it was just a, a minute long introduction. And I was, I, I started videotaping it because I was like, man, this is amazing. Um, you know, it, it, he, he's an innovator as well, you know, and, and that's the thing too. And I think that's why you hear so much from opposing coaches or coaches in the business about Mike Leach is because they've had an opportunity in some form or fashion to either work with him or work against him. Um, you know, he, he, his time spent at Kentucky, you know, uh, under how, and then, you know, getting back into the sec at Mississippi state, um, and what he was able to do under those, under those circumstances at, at state and, you know they they come off uh, an egg bowl win this year and they're they're going to a bowl game where they're playing in a stadium at Raymond James where there's a darn pirate ship and if <laughs> I, I don't know how things work together in life and I'm I'm not going to sit here and talk about destiny and 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 fate or or anything like that but man that lined up so extremely well so I. I it's not surprising to – you're going to see a lot, a lot of outpouring today from the coaching community, from the people around the country, and one more one way or the other that he touched. Um, and, and it's just a – it's a sad day. Um, but I'll say this, that um, I'm glad they got all of his family there. I think that was the big thing. Um, you know, there is a um, – there's a statement from, uh, and I'll just, I'll pull this up and I'll, and I'll, and I'll sit here and I'll, and I'll read it to you. Um, that came from last night and, uh, and everything that he was going through. And they were talking about, you know, how he was able to, um, 
do what the, the family really wanted to make sure that they got everything right when it came to uh, the final preparations for him. And, and this is what uh, they will say. Coach Mike Leach passed away last night from complications related to a heart condition. He was a giving and attentive husband, father, and grandfather. He was able to participate in organ donation at UMMC as his final act of charity. The Leach family goes on to say, we are uplifted by the outpouring of support and love from the family, friends, and Mississippi State University, the hospital staff, and football fans around the world. Thank you for sharing in the joy of our, of our beloved husband and father's life. Um, man. So kind of kind of goes to show you man. the man he was and um, and especially his family, Dan. Yeah, honest to God. I mean, look, uh, he, he, you know, he, his legacy, you know, the whole James thing and 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 the comeback because he was likable and a winner. I, I got to ask you before I let you go, and I really appreciate yeah. it. I can tell it's an emotional day. I, 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 You know, I was at the Army-Navy game. It was a great experience. I fell in love with Navy. I fell in love with Army. I was there. 48 hours, and I fell in love with the entire deal. And then I read Chet Gladchuk uh, firing Coach Ken in the locker room right after a loss, and I'm sitting here going, I don't understand as a coach or as a human being how you do that at that time to a man who did so many great things for you and represented Navy so well over 20, 25 years. Trey, explain this to me. Yeah, I'm having a really hard time explaining that to you. Um, I, I don't understand, uh, if, if, if coach Ken was right, and I'm not saying he's not, um, you're going to fire him in the locker room. Uh, you're going to fire him right after the game. Um, that, that man has put a lot into that football program, uh, at Navy, a lot more. He, he had opportunities to leave as well, you know, countless times. Uh, so for the fact that he stuck it out with them, um, and and for them to for them to to treat him like that, man, that that's pretty hardcore. And that's you don't you know it, it's not like you're firing somebody on a tarmac or something like that where we've seen in the past. You're you're letting somebody go in the locker room after a loss, and you know I I I. I I find that very distasteful, and I promise you that will go heavy into whoever takes that job next at Navy because that was not the right way to do it, and um, I'm sure this is not the last we have heard of this story. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, my friends of mine on YouTube, Van Pasterman, said the expla explanation is the AD's a jerk. I mean, that's I can't I can't give it to you anymore. I mean – Again, I, it's a little – look, I'm not trying to act like I went to Navy, right? I mean, but I literally – my wife and I fell in love with both. Army, Army Navy, Sage Steele's dad, the people we met, a couple of cadets uh, were from Indiana. They came up. We took pictures. Uh, just the most impressive dudes. And then I watch a game, and honest to God, Trey, I mean, we're talking double overtime. A kid fumbles. I mean, and son of a – you know, they fire a guy on the in the freaking locker room. I, I it just it broke my heart. I, it just broke my heart on a lot of levels, and my heart don't get broken. My heart's black. You know, you know what I mean. After after, after that, my heart and, 
after that game, uh, I, I, I'd have had a hard time firing anybody after that game. I mean, that was, that was just tremendous. Um, you know, season ramifications, whatnot, push that off. There's no need to handle that right after the game. There's other ways to go about that. So yeah, I'm glad you had a good time. But it, it looks like something, uh, that would be great. In spirit. Go. I'd love to go. I'd love to go. I'd love to go and cover it. Um, it's on the bucket hey, list. So, um, yeah, I promise you, I'll tell you where to stay, stay at the lows and, and all the, everybody's there. Like and the, we got there like 11, the bar was loud and we looked and it's like, you know, army people, Navy people, men and women, everybody just having a ball. And we sat in the corner and we found We got us a bottle of wine, sat in the corner and just watched it. Anyway, it, Go. Wow. All right, last thing. I, yeah. I said this, and I'm curious your thoughts on this. I read the police report on Chris Beard. I got to tell you, unless there's something dramatically different, I don't see Beard coaching Texas. I don't see him coaching until he rehabs or whatever he's got to do. You know what I'm saying here? Yeah, I don't know if, if he is going to be. I, mean, I read that police report, and I talked with a couple – lawyer friends um i don't know what type of defense he will have on that uh i he said he has audio recordings but he he didn't give those audio recordings over probably waiting for his lawyer uh from that night i i don't know if that's true or not i these are all alleged things that have happened but i will say this if if the police report comes to fruition if it's true if they find out that this is all true I don't see how Chris Beard coaches again at Texas. Um, that's just me. But you know what, Dan? There's going to be a lot of lawyers involved. Um, there's going to be a lot of uh, back and forth. And now you have to figure out and you have to find the middle ground and, and how to go about this. Not a good look for the University of Texas at all. A horrible look for Chris Beard and uh, you know more about basketball than I will ever know, but just talking with folks, I it's going to be tough for the university to make a um, to make a, a grand gesture for him to be able to come back is the best way to put it to make it reasonable for him to come back. So something I'm keeping an eye out on him for the next 48 to 72 hours, because I don't know how long they're going to be how long you're going to be able to go suspended without pay. Like, that's my big thing. You know, you want to get to the bottom of this thing. You can't, in my opinion, I don't know if you can suspend him for a month and then all of a sudden he just comes back. Like, it's going to be up. I, I don't know. They've got a they've got a hell of a situation on their hands. Yeah, you know, that, I always look at it the way you just described it, <clears throat> Trey. I always look at it from the personal side. All right, contract says we can fire you. Okay. Uh, me as the AD, you're not coaching here. That's part of it. But my lawyers get involved. Your lawyers get involved. And then, of course, you know, you got to you gotta get to the truth. At some point, you got to get to the truth. Whether, whether that police report's true or not, great. I don't know. But you got to get to the truth. My friend, I'm sorry about your day. I could tell you're emotional. And I really appreciate you coming on to our show. You are the absolute freaking best, Trey Wallace. Thank you. Thank you, Dan Dawkins. Have a great day, my brother. You too, my friend. That is Trey Wallace. You guys asked me why Trey's emotional. Well, he knows these guys. He deals with these guys. And he's a great freaking guy. That's number one. That's number one. All right?
Dan, uh, Van Pastor Man, we're on YouTube as well. Join us there. But we're rolling today, and I don't like it. I didn't even get to what we were going to get to. Mike Leach passing away circumvents most of that. Uh, look, you're going to hear a bunch of tributes. We'll continue the conversation. We're going to get into, you know, Baker Mayfield's going to be the starting quarterback. Explain to me, Colts fans, will you please? Matt Ryan is going to start. Will you please explain that to me? We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This in Starbucks, this is the stuff in-house here, which uh, it's all right. But we're going to see if it kills ants. We got these fire ants out here. They're kind of resurfacing a little bit. I don't, I actually have no material to support the fact that this works, but this is strictly an experimental deal. I don't know, maybe, yeah, it could turn into super ants. <laughs> Do we have another Mike Leach video? Rest in peace, Mike Leach. I'm telling you, man, my, in a world where everybody is God, what is it? Everybody's buttoned up. Everybody's serious. Everybody's got their own deal. Everybody is always on the lookout for the next camera to come at them or the next thing or the next whatever. Mike Leach just said, screw it. Mike Leach just said to hell with it. I'm going to be me. I'm going to be the man. And that's what I am going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And I respect it, man. I, I do. I respect it. You get to a point. You get to a point where you just simply say, screw it. And Mike Leach, smart, funny, common sense, great football coach. Absolute great, great football coach. I don't know if you remember when he was first at Texas Tech. Nobody knew Texas Tech. Coach Knight was there and basketball and Texas Tech was going in football. But there were nights uh, in the Big 12 where with Michael Crabtree, I remember they came back. They were down seven with about know, 15 seconds to go. Had to go to length of the field. It was very Pat Mahomes. That's my first recollection of Mike Leach. Uh, and then I went there. I went to Texas Tech to visit Coach Knight. And I got to tell you, um, I got to tell you, man, uh, just a nice man. And then I had a chance to vacation with him. For those of you, I was just joining the show. I was with Urban, our wives, a couple other couples were at this place that Urban had set up in Key West. And all of a sudden here comes a boat and off the boat comes Mike Leach and another dude. It's about 10 o'clock at night. We started having beers. We started playing cards. We started laughing like crazy. And then the next day went out to dinner and uh, I just enjoyed the guy, man. I just enjoyed the guy. That's it. That's it. So, anyway, rest in peace to Mike Leach. Did you guys see this? And I don't know why teams do this, but they seem to want to do it all of the time. Baker Mayfield is going to be the starter of the Rams for the rest of the year. Baker Mayfield did a hell of a deal. Baker Mayfield led him on a drive, 98 yards for a touchdown. And, frankly, 
to me, it wasn't just Baker Mayfield leading him on a touchdown. It was Baker Mayfield and the reaction to the players. This is the thing. Let me equate Baker Mayfield to Mike Leach for just a second, okay? Baker Mayfield, the players around him. Now, I understand you got the win. I understand that, you know, everybody gets excited on a win. But he came in on Tuesday, got a win on Thursday, and the players, you could tell, loved being around him. The same thing with Leach. You could tell, like, Leach was above it all, tell them to elope, all those kind of things. But you could tell that the players loved him. I don't mean kind of loved them. I mean loved them. So, yes, that's what makes people special when you are the kind of person that folks gravitate to. So I'm not surprised that Baker Mayfield was named the starting quarterback. I guess I'm a little surprised that Sean McVay named him the starting quarterback for the rest of the year. I mean, you really don't have to do that. The truth of the matter is you've got leverage over Baker Mayfield. Now, maybe this is the Bob Knight in me, right? Maybe this is still the Bob Knight. All right? Maybe. But I got to tell you, when you got leverage like that, it's the best thing for the player. Now, I want you to think about this, you guys that are on the YouTube chat. It's the best thing for the player. You make him. What is the thing that we used to say here with that an idiot quote? Iron sharpens iron. Yeah, okay. Well, make the guy sharpen iron. Don't give him the job. The converse to that is my beloved Colts. My beloved Colts, Terry Brady on the YouTube chat. The Colts continue to start Matt Ryan. Because, listen to this, he gives them the best chance to get the higher draft pick. Salute, my friend. You ain't wrong, brother. You ain't wrong about that. That can be the only reason. Like, what what is that line? Ray Charles can see that Matt Ryan can't play dead. Can't play dead. His arm is like mine, and it's been surgically repaired. I can't hardly lift it. But Matt Ryan keeps getting trotting, trotted out there. They keep bringing him out there. And I got to tell you, I know early in the season, this is the antithesis of, of Baker Mayfield. Nobody's paying attention to Ryan. Everybody's paying attention to Mayfield. All right. The Washington Post published a story, an op-ed, complaining about the number of black players on the Argentina soccer team. They now corrected the story to say, well, uh, we are wrong, far less than 1%. Far less than 1% of Argentinian soccer players, or excuse me, people in the country are black. So the article started talking about, well, you know, you know, there's not enough African Americans on the Argentinian soccer team. Some idiot, again, professor, of course, uh, from El Paso, is whining, bitching, moaning, all that kind of stuff. And it turns out they were wrong. They highly, this lady was going about the African-American culture in Argentina. It turned out they got it wrong. Of course they got it wrong. But I gave my guys here an unbelievable quote that is so true. These pieces are always written by people who know zero about football, but a lot about woke. The Washington Post are the Washington Post suggesting there are good black Argentine players not being selected for the team due to racism. 
Who are they? No footballing nation leaves great players out due to race. But you know the truth of the matter is, and you know this, the Indianapolis Star, Gannett, the Washington Post, the New York Times, they have to try to divide. That's all they got. They have to try to divide. So this idiot that writes this article, why is she writing the article? Do you think, legitimately think, in Argentina, where soccer is a religion, they're going to say, no, we've got our quota of African-American players. I'm sorry, but we do. Of course not. Never, ever, never, ever, even in America, where we don't care about soccer, hey, man, you good? Let's go. Freddie Adu was on a team like when he was six. But it is amazing to me. Idiots write these articles. And how many times have we seen? This is a professor from UTEP. The professor from UTEP ought to be writing articles about the influx of illegal immigrants coming in that way like it's a freaking parade. So the Washington Post, in their their desire to, I don't know, divide, why does the press have to divide? What else do they have? What else do they have? Why do you think, BS, that Donald Trump carried CNN? because they had a divide. It didn't matter if we were all making a ton of money. Didn't matter if we were all getting rich. Didn't matter if the United States was on a path. That wasn't going to sell. They had a divide. Bad guy. Orange man, bad. Corrupt guy. Probably is. Who cares? We were all doing well. They must, because it spikes interest. It spikes rate. If they just came out and said, hey, look, Everything's great. Here's the deal in the country. And gave you facts. The newspaper business might be thriving. But they've got to divide. Politicians have got to divide. Politicians have got to keep people down and tell those same people, hey, look, we're going to provide for you. Why do you think our inner cities are in the manner which our inner cities are? Our democratic-controlled inner cities. It's no mystery. If I can figure it out, you all have to figure it out. You all can figure it out. But that's what they have to do. Colts fans, look at me. T.Y. Hilton was living right over here in Zionsville. T.Y. Hilton lives in a community in Zionsville that is nice, not great. I mean, as you guys know, Indianapolis has all of these nice communities. I always drive around going, what the hell do these people do? T.Y. Hilton's kid played football at Zionsville High School. So T.Y. was right here. Colts don't have a wide receiver worth a damn. Colts don't have a wide receiver that can get down the field and make plays. They got slow wide receiver. They got a rookie wide receiver. So you know what? T.Y. Hilton, although he was here, didn't get signed by the relationship-based New York or Indianapolis Colts, the fighting Chris Ballers. What T.Y. Hilton do? Oh, I don't know. He just went and signed with the Cowboys. What are the Cowboys? A team that's fighting for a championship, a team that's trying to get to the Super Bowl. I don't know about you, but let me give you a record here. Since T.Y. Hilton was drafted, are you ready for this? Since T.Y. Hilton was drafted, the Colts up till this year were 4-14 and without him. Now they're 8-22-1 without him. And this regime didn't think enough to sign the guy. 
this regime thought, eh, our four-time pro bowler, he's not needed. We've got Ashton Doolin. Really? Yeah. Okay. Four-time pro bowler. Man, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. 631 catches, 19, or 9,691 yards, 53 touchdowns, takes the top off of defense, and they got him for 600000 But Indy, baby, the idiots in the football media here are going to tell you, we got cap space. My buddy Cam Safali says, we don't need cap space. Figure out deals like this. I don't know if T.Y. Hilton is going to be any good, but I'll tell you this. Uh, the organization that signed him, The organization that signed him thinks he is, and they're trying to get a Super Bowl. Colts are trying to save jobs. Colts are trying to maybe sort of kind of get a 500 season, maybe sort of kind of make the playoffs with no coach, no offensive coordinator, no quarterback, no left tackle, and no wide receiver. Drive you nuts. Drive you nuts. Mike Hawk says, T.Y. less effective now than Paris Campbell. Maybe so, Mike Hawk, but you know who doesn't think so? The Dallas Cowboys. I'm just telling you. The Dallas Cowboys. They don't think so. On the YouTube chat, Mike Hawk says, hey, all right. That's it. Uh, Jim Eagle says, what? T.Y. beyond washed. Really? You know who doesn't think so? The Dallas Cowboys. You know what the Dallas Cowboys are doing? They're playing for an opportunity to win the uh, the World Series, I was going to say, the Super Bowl. You know what the Colts are playing for? You tell me. Don't tell me he's washed when he just signed with an organization that's trying to win, and we've seen a number, number, number. 4-14 without Hilton, 8-22-1 combined without Hilton. Think that was a good draft choice by Ryan Grigson? Huh. Best one maybe they've ever had. Best one. I'm just saying. All right, let's continue. Monday night football last night. Sad news, man. Kyler Murray, this whole year has been horrible for Kyler Murray. Third play of the game, Kyler Murray goes down. He's out. Looks like he's got an ACL. Horrible. I hate it. I just don't like it. I don't like when players – I'm not a Kyler Murray fan. I thought he was an idiot on the Dan Patrick show. I think the fact that he doesn't try real hard and they put it in his contract told me all I needed to know. But Kyler Murray going down, I don't like it. Mac Jones was pretty good. Mac Jones, 24-35, had an interception, got it going late, started yelling at Matt Patricia. I'm kind of starting to like Mac Jones. Not in love with Mac Jones. I think he's one of those sneaky guys. I think he's a grin blanker. Hi, Mrs. Cleaver. (laughs) And then all the while, he's trying to stick it to their daughter. You know what I'm saying. But anyway, it was 13-13. Things are going swimmingly, and the mad crapper showed up. That's right. You know what I'm talking about, the mad crapper, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins in Indianapolis at the Combine, along with some other wide receiver, I think from Rutgers, for whatever psychotic, insane, ridiculous, mentally challenged reason, decided to crap all over the hotel, smear it everywhere. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking. The hotel... Basically, I think it costs like 10 grand, whatever it was. So I've always said the mad crapper is going to make great plays, but the mad crapper is going to screw you when it means most because you're psychotic if you spread crap all over walls. Look it up. I'm not making this up. 
I, I, I'm just telling you the deal. So the mad crapper fumbles. He gets stripped by a guy named Kyle Duger. Next thing you know, Raekwon McMillan picks it up, 33 yards, touchdown. Next thing, it's 13-13. It goes to 20-13. And frankly, that's when a team quits. I never say teams quit in the NFL because I got too much respect for the NFL. But that's when teams quit. Bad teams. Teams that don't have any leadership. Teams that are, well, front runners. They did. They quit. They never came back. The deal was over. What are you going to do? By the way, Doug Gottlieb's going to join us from the Doug Gottlieb show, and away you go. All right. We should do this weekly. I should look at my phone every week and go, okay, all right. What coach did some, you know, goofy thing during a home visit? This week, it's John Harbaugh. No, it's not. It's Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh, the University of Michigan coach, I really like him. I'm starting to really like him. Uh, Urban and I were walking out of the uh, Indiana-Michigan game on his back tunnel after he had done big noon kickoff, and here comes Harbaugh and a couple staff members, and I swear to God, Harbaugh looked like he'd seen a ghost, and he looked insane. They had just beaten Indiana, but he had this, hey, coach, you know, kind of a weird deal going. I don't know. If he had a spasm seeing Urban, PTSD seeing Urban, I don't know what it was, but it was. So so anyway, I kind of always dug Harbaugh. I don't know. He's weird. I like Tom Crean, his brother-in-law. I like Harbaugh's sister, who's married to Tom Crean, Joni. I like him. What can I tell you? Let's try to get Crean on tomorrow. That'd be good. Tom's great. But anyway, let's see the tweet here. Harbaugh's doing the dishes. After the recruit in the recruit's home. How beautiful is that? Look, let's just do some dishes, people. In the Morgan household, you have to pull your weight. Thanks, coach, coming out. We enjoyed you. Truly an amazing guy. That was a three-star wide receiver, a kid named Morgan, out in, uh, I think it was Maryland. Hey, I'm with him. I, maybe I'm weird, but I do the dishes everywhere I go. Thanksgiving, I do the dishes. After every meal at our house, I do the dishes. I'm all in on Jim Harbaugh. He's weird, but aren't we all just a little bit weird? The answer to that is absolutely. Good for Jim Harbaugh doing the dishes. Good for Jim Harbaugh. You can't sit. You're telling me you can eat dinner and you can just sit there and go, all right, no problem. I'll just, uh, yeah, you go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. What? What are you, crazy? No. Nope, I got to tell you, uh, Jim Harbaugh, I'm all in on it. Uh, we got to ask our friend Jennifer on the YouTube chat. She went out to the Indiana-Arizona game. We got to ask her, has she lost, did she lose all of her money? We also have to ask on the YouTube chat, Sean Black says, hey, Double D, are we going to have our golf outing? I think I'm going to have an outkick golf outing. We're going to continue it. I think so. I do. I like having a golf outing in my dad's honor. I like doing things in the community. All right, when Doug Gottlieb joins, we were going to get into college basketball. Those of you that are UConn fans, how happy are you with your team? I mean, let me ask you. 
Like, see, I told you this yesterday. Indiana's a fraud. Purdue's the quickest team to go from unranked to number one in the country. Last year, Purdue was number one. They got beat on a half-court shot by Ron Harper Jr., yes, son of Ron Harper, who played for a variety of teams, most notably Cleveland as an all-star, and, of course, with the Bulls. But, so now they have a chance at number one, and they're not playing again until Saturday's game in, in Indianapolis against Davidson. So they're at least going to keep the number one rank through the weekend. They'll beat Davidson 20, and away they'll go. But Gottlieb and I, we're going to talk UConn. You, did you know this? Did you know UConn? YouTube chatters. Did you know this? UConn's 11-0. Did you know they've won every game by double digits? Did you know that they beat Alabama, who, by the way, just beat Houston? They beat Alabama by 15. They went to Florida and won by 21. I mean, this is a squad. Now, have I seen them play? No. Uh, Not really. I find UConn to be historically dull. But I'm a big uh, Danny Hurley fan. I think Danny Hurley is old school. He's tough, he's mean, and nobody wants to leave his program. So I'll talk to Gottlieb about that. But more importantly, I want to talk to Doug Gottlieb about his thoughts on Mike Leach. You know, guys that are in the media... We, uh, you, I'm an entertainer. You guys, they fall in love with people. Being on the right side of the media is interesting. Mike Leach got on the wrong side for a minute. Craig James, former SMU Pony Express guy and CBS broadcaster, uh, he, his son apparently, was in Craig James's mind mistreated by Mike. Mike had a problem. Mike got fired. Mike came back. Why? Because Mike Leach is a good guy never really caused any controversy other than, well, the thing with Craig James's son, but that's kind of a player thing. But Mike Leach always came across as an amiable, amicable, is that the right word? Just a really good guy. People gravitated to him. People liked him. People enjoyed being around him. So We're going to talk to Doug about that. We're going to talk to Doug about college hoops. We're going to talk to Doug about is Baker Mayfield making a comeback that can actually last. That would mean Matthew Stafford is pretty much done. I don't have the answer to that. I would also ask Doug, what the hell's the deal here with Jeff Saturday? Like, what's the national perspective? Here, my perspective from my view in Indianapolis is no way you can hire this guy. I wouldn't hire him to be anything. Maybe one of the reasons the Colts are in such a bad spot is because Jeff Saturday has been a advisor. No. All right. We'll also get into the Coach Ken firing with Doug Gottlieb, but we'll have more on Mike Leach. <clears throat> we'll talk about a ton of college basketball coming up. When my man Gottlieb speaks, I listen because he's not some schmuck former player that's up there giggling at halftime like you see on ESPN. Serious dude with serious takes. All right, YouTube chat. Let's see if we got anything for you. Uh, Dan, this is from Who's Your Daddy. So if Tom Allen did more dishes, we could get better players? Yes. Yes. Dan, did you know that sports betting and poker are the most economical betting to do in Vegas? I did. I, I, I did. I'm sorry. 
Uh, Van Pasterman says, I wash off the dishes and then my wife loads the dishwasher. She doesn't like the way I load it, so my job is to wash them off. Van Pasterman, look at me. You are a pastor, you are wise. I am this and I am not. But I got to tell you, that's exactly what happens here. So what did I do? I learned how to load them properly. That's right. I learned how to load dishes properly. There is my way, the right way, and Lee's way. I learned. I just do them Lee's way. Gottlieb, next. Stay here. We'll be right back. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Yeah, I've told you this. There are very few people that I listen to their opinion on basketball, particularly college basketball, but one's right here. Doug Gottlieb, and I wanted to talk about UConn, and maybe we will, but I got to ask you, you know, you do a national show. You heard the news this morning of Mike Leach passing away at 61. What were your thoughts, Doug? Big 12 guy at heart and um, changed the Big 12. You know, what, what people remember is Texas Tech, but in 99, he went to Oklahoma with, huh? We get some sort of delay. Go ahead. Um, anyway, so so uh, look in, in '99, he showed up at at Norman with Bob Stoops, and that offense changed the Big Twelve, changed the trajectory of Oklahoma football. I changed. Remember, I was I was a student athlete '97 to 2000. I saw. The Big 12, the two years before he got it was it was 1970s football, right, in terms of what people were doing offensively. And here a guy came in and first at OU, you know, with Josh Heupel, and that thing flipped right away. And then he went to Texas Tech. Um, offense. Rodriguez is the godfather of running the football out of the spread, and he's the godfather of the air raid offense, throwing the ball out of the spread. And it's allowed – you know, the Texas Techs of the world to regular base world because we can use our speed outside the numbers and your strength inside becomes nullified in so many ways. So in addition to for 20 years, and you just want people that are engaging, that are fun, that are funny. You always had to tape an interview with Coach Leach because he would ramble. But when you would get to the meat of was how thoughtful he was, how interesting he was, and you make it more concise. Seemed to have a good time. People I know who worked for him said he was good to work for. You knew how his teams played. Uh, they played with, with a fearless kind of reckless abandon, if you will, on the road. And college football forever. And we should be grateful for it hey, you know pushing the boundaries hey, of what you don't have to throw a lot huh? but he was he he was able to overcome like the whole thing at texas tech you know what i mean the craig james thing why do you think he was able to do that and become beloved because people like that's it you know it's it's the old it's the old if you're likable. And, and he won a hard play. Now, he, he cost himself a lot of big wins 
by sticking to kind of his philosophy and they didn't run the football enough. You know, like I saw a game where he came into eight and they had, and all he had to do was run, choose to do it. And they, they lost because, you know, it's just really hard to fill the defense. As Lady five. I think, I think it's because he treated he, he treated people who worked for him well. And I think uh, just think he was generally likable. And, you know, um, it's a great I, I struggle sometimes with and you and I we have a great relationship. I think you're the same way in, in terms of perception as opposed to reality. Um, the perception of him was the reality of, right? He would make plenty of sarcastic comments about his own players, but generally they liked him and people who worked for him and around him. And, and in the facility liked him and respected him. Like who you bump heads with, you know, he's got a powerful dad and, 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 and wants to get you fired. Does, does Chris Beard ever coach again? If the Chargers are dropped, um, I think he's a dear friend of mine. Um, and I, I don't know your relationship with Chris or your feelings for forgive me. I, I think the world of him, obviously, if the behavior he's accused of is accurate, then it's, it's, it's alarming and reprehensible. I haven't seen that side of him, so I don't know what's true and what's not true. Um, I just I feel awful because one, because you never want anybody to be treated in a way in which he's accused of treating them. If you know Chris, yes. Texas has changed as a basketball because he's brought in an entire what he calls organization and. You have, you know, from Rodney Terry, um, you have uh, you have Ogden there too. I mean, you have two head coaching posts, University of Texas. Uh, um, I mean, you have an entire group of probably thirty people between GAs and staff members or whatever that you know I, he frankly let being in this situation. And what happens there? So that's kind of where my brain is. All of those guys, like having spent, I spent a week in August. Like it's an unbelievable group of people and their own futures are very much up in the air. So that's kind of where my brain is. Uh, but I think if he, if, if this goes well, or there's any sort of proof of that he that he's done. It makes it very difficult for him to coach at Texas. Uh, think eventually, you know, that's the type of guy that has to step away and get himself together. And I, I don't, yeah, I think he does coach again. I don't, I don't know. I I don't know enough. I don't know what happened. You know, I don't even know what I've read, and what I read is not good. But some of the things that I've read don't don't totally make sense. It doesn't mean that didn't happen, but let's just 
wait, if the charges are dropped, I think there's a chance that he, you know, after some form of suspension, uh, probably has to do some sort of rehabilitation, personal-wise, personal life-wise, and then it's Doug, I'm losing you. I, I got to let you go. I'm losing you. I apologize. The internet's not great. Um, sure. I'll call you this Hold afternoon. On, what's, what's I, I'm you're, I, you're, it's, 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 I, okay. I can hear. Is it's that chopping. better? I don't Talk to me. Yeah, it's, uh, no, it's just, you're chopping a, it's in and out. Massive delay. Do we- Last let's, let's thing do this. Hold before on. I let let's you disconnect go. and reconnect and see what happens. This might just be a bad uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I can handle the disconnect. Disconnect let's, and reconnect and see because I want to get Doug's opinion. Okay. I want to get your opinion on UConn. Uh, I, Danny Hurley's team, I haven't paid that much attention to until getting ready for this show. All they do is beat people by double digits. What's going on here? Super talented. Um They have this uh, clinging kid who's a, a fresh. They don't don't have maybe a true point guard, but outside of that, they got just about everything. If you said UConn's the number one team in the country, I would say okay, because uh, Doug, we lost you. Uh, we're gonna hang up and try to figure this out. Uh, I I love talking to Doug, but. Uh, go to UConn, 11-0. They've won 11 straight by double digits. They beat Alabama by 15, who you just saw, beat the living you-know-what out of uh, Houston, which always makes me happy. All right, I'm going to go to a couple things here. We're going to go, since we're talking college hoops, my five best, my five best basketball games. Not five favorite venues like every slap in the country does, but my five best basketball games, if you had a bucket list and you said, all right, people on YouTube, I'm going to give these to you and you tell me. No, I didn't lose it, Mike. It was not my internet. Uh, My five best basketball games. You guys ready, fellas? I'm sure you are. All right, here's the deal. Number five, and again, this is mine. Xavier Cincinnati. Xavier Cincinnati's a fist fight. You've seen them fist fight. You've seen them go at each other. You've seen them brawl. I've called that game three or four times. And what goes on around the stadium is every bit as good at, as what goes on inside the stadium. I mean, people hate Travis Steele, the coach, would take and go pay the tab for everybody over at the local bar where the Cincinnati kids hung out. It's just what he would do. And that's what he should do. He absolutely should do that. He should do that, and every coach should do that. True story. I always told my dad, if I ever win a game as a head coach at Indiana, I am going to Knicks, and I am buying beers. I'm buying beers. Well, we won the game. It was like a Tuesday night. Nobody cared. And away we went, but we didn't go. And I I feel bad that we didn't. I feel very bad that we didn't. I wish I had, but that's Cincinnati and Xavier. Great programs, incredible fan bases. And you know what? 
It's always a freaking rumble. And I like that. These guys aren't messing around. Like, they don't mess around Cincinnati. And they'll fight you. Number four, Bedlam. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Now, look. Doug played in that game, and I would love to get his take on that game. Doug was a big part of that game for many, many years. Calvin Sampson, Eddie Sutton. Is Doug with us? Yes. Hey, yes. Uh, I'm going through my, my five best basketball games, in my opinion, and my fourth is Bedlam, a game that you played a bunch in. Eddie Sutton against Calvin Sampson is great. That's my fourth best game. Talk to me about that it, game. It, it, it was great. It, it's really – I went – I took my basketball team last year, and it wasn't the same. Um, but when I played in it, it was amazing. I mean, both teams – look, when I was at Oklahoma State, Tulsa was very good. Bill Self was there. Uh, they went to the Elite Eight. And Kelvin Sampson was at Oklahoma. And uh, they actually beat us our last game of my of the regular season my senior year in the old Gallagher Ibe arena but it was awesome we hated them they hated us and you'd show up I remember my first bedlam game you show up two hours for the game for shoot around and students were there at o- OU and OU students don't care about basketball except OSU Texas Kansas and you know they they line up as you'd uh, walk down the ramp and throw shit throw stuff at you excuse me and then uh, you come on the court and you know, they had all kinds of signs, especially for yours truly. Uh, and they were into the game. It, w- it was awesome. But I, I, I would say that you had uh, you had Cincy Xavier, Crosstown rivalry behind it. And I would disagree, even though I love Bedlam, just because Cincy Xavier, no matter if the teams are good or not good, it's still the schools are they're separated by two miles. And, you know, that thing is nasty. It doesn't matter, and they show up for everything. So I actually think that's a better one than what 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 your snapshot of Bedlam was the my era Bedlam. It's just not that way now. They got to get it back because it's a it's a it was such a good rivalry. I'm going to tell you why I did did not put Cincinnati ahead of you. I did the games after they had the brawl. And everybody was so uptight on both sides that it was very, very, what's the right word? It was antiseptic. You know what I'm saying? And you're probably right. I should. I am absolutely doing what you said. I remember sitting there being like, all right, there's two games I got to watch that I don't know anything about anybody. Oklahoma uh, taking on Oklahoma State. And then I always wanted to watch Cincinnati Xavier. But I did the game. You know, they had that big brawl. And after that, I got to tell you, it. What? Why isn't Oklahoma, Oklahoma State the same? What? What? What's different? Well, the Thunder have really hurt the attendance for both, both programs. OU's always struggled to draw, um, except the, that game. But the Thunder have. It's not that big a state, and remember, a, a huge portion of both teams, especially Oklahoma State, but the both teams' fan base is in Oklahoma City. And remember, you got to drive an hour from Oklahoma City or Tulsa to get to Stillwater for a game. The arenas, they made it twice as big. It's, it's too big. But also, it coincided with the Thunder. And, you know, now every game's on TV. Every college game's on TV. Every NBA game's on TV. So you either make the decision, okay, I can watch all the games at home. Or I can go to a, you know, how much money? I go to a, Thunder, a couple of Thunder games a year. Or I go to an OSU or OU game. And remember, Oklahoma State hadn't been 
except for the Cade Cunningham year, which is the COVID year, they haven't been good. So they're just struggling to draw. There's just not a lot of it to the program. It's it's really, really sad. And uh, I think we can get it back, but it's, it's not working as of now. And, and OU's always struggled to draw. And then, remember, you know, football's been so successful that it's football, football, football until January. And then January comes around, it's like, okay. And basketball's been up and down, been pretty good. You know, Lon had it really going. They went to a Final Four. Uh, but again, it's the, the 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 success and passion for the Thunder. I think. I mean, like, look, let's just ask ourselves. You and me, I'd go see a ball game anytime. But a, a basic basketball fan, there was a time when they had Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Kevin Durant. You know, and you name all these guys. Would you go see them, or would you go see the college kids play? So, the, the Thunder has really changed the dynamic of that of that state, uh, especially during basketball season. And both football programs have been very good. And there's just a limit how much money, how much time, how much you can, you know, how many times you can go to Stillwater when you're in Oklahoma City. If you're going for all these football games, then you got the Big 12 championship game, you got the bowl game. There's just a limit to how much you can do it, especially when it's on TV. No, I so get that's it. really why. I get it. I got to tell you, my number three, and this probably should be number one, is Louisville, Kentucky. Now, I am a favorite. Uh, excuse me. I am a... Uh, I'm a homer with my number one, but my number three is Louisville, Kentucky. I'm going to tell you something that I don't know. I like it when it's in Kentucky because you got to go through that hotel. Everybody wants to fight. They're all liquored up. In Louisville, you know what? It wasn't quite the same, but I think this is the most heated, hated rivalry in sports. I think these crazy people legitimately hate each other. I should put it one. I'm not, but it's number three. Give me your take. Well, Louisville's current basketball team is the worst high major basketball team may have ever seen. You know, (laughs) and I mean, like literally I told all of my friends, I don't, I don't bet on sports, but I advise people to bet on sports. Just fade Louisville every game. Okay. Vegas is struggling to catch. Like Vegas can't even imagine. I saw a spread. They're they playing Cincinnati in uh, Maui. It was like an eight-point line. I called every degenerate friend I know. I go, look, <laughs> just you're, I want if you send me a Christmas card, you want to send five bucks in it, fine. Just bet on Louisville tonight. I mean, bet on Cincinnati tonight. Just fade Louisville. And like, I got a whole bunch of buddies that are like, they can't wait to when Louisville plays. So Louisville, Kentucky this year. I mean, I know Kenny is one Not of this Cal's year. oldest, huh? I mean, it's bad. Not this um, year. I'm talking about this story. I don't think Kentucky's any good either. I don't think Kentucky's very good. I, I, they're hard to watch. No, they're, they're not. That, that's going to be college. how college sports change in the next five years is going to be fascinating. I mean, there's, a, there's so many layers to it, right? Like we talked about Oklahoma State, you know, and, and, and you know, people are saying, hey, we need X amount of money for NIL for our team, you know, and you have athletic directors going on social media, asking their fans to donate for NIL to these collectives. Okay. But those same people are the people that donated for everything else. So your operating budget is going to take a hit. So, uh, you know, and those are the same people that you're going to go to when you want to build a new facility. So if you don't have a new facility, you're probably not going to get one and your operating budget is going to be dramatically cut. And unless you're in, the SEC or the Big Ten, 
your operating budget already is substantially less than half the teams you're competing against. Like that one's going to be fascinating. Um, Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, it's an incredible rivalry. I mean, you could, it's right there. It should be right there on par. I agree with you with Duke Carolina, considering the success of both of those programs over the last 40 years, you know, 40 years. Um, uh, I, it's, it's awesome. I used to love it when it was in freedom hall. I agree with you on, on in Louisville. Now that, that, that the yum center is just a good time, right? There's like a couple of bars in there, which, you know, people struggle to come out for the second half for. And for whatever reason in Lexington, it, it seems a little bit more vicious, but uh, it's going to be hard for what you're saying to resonate with people because um, this is a pick your score year. I mean, this literally could Kentucky could, could end them, you know, by, by half a hundred. That's how bad Louisville was. If you were coming out, somebody asked me this the other day, if you were coming out, how much would an NIL deal factor into your decision to go to college? It's a great question. Um, I feel like it, it factored into my decision to go to Notre Dame, but from a different aspect. You're like, wait, Notre Dame offered you money? No. The idea of Notre Dame was I was playing for an NBA coach. I was playing for coaches who were connected in terms of going to coaching. And then I always wanted to go into media if the basketball coaching or playing didn't work out and Notre Dame has a great relationship with NBC. Um, they, there's lots of people who will help you. The subway alums. Like I've always thought that NIL existed, but it was after you get done playing, right? The true NIL. So to that, that part, that intrigues me, but I don't know. I wouldn't go anywhere for a check. I mean, I'd like to have, you know, if I can have a, if I can have a nice car paid for and I can have a little money in my pocket. That's fine. Just be competitive. But, I wouldn't, I wouldn't chase a check. One, I wasn't good enough. I mean, I know I'm good that I could help. I would help wherever I go win. We're going to win wherever I go. And we're going to have fun. Everybody's going to like playing with me because they get the ball. But, uh, I mean, I'm realistic. I'm, I'm not a half a million a year guy. But I'd want some money in my pocket. I'd still pick my school the same way. Style of play, chance to play. Coach, you can, can, can help me and, and sees who I am. I, I still think that's paramount. And then what you got to find is, Hey, let's just get to like a reasonable level, something that's fair, you know, so I can, my parents can fly out and see games, whatever. I have a girlfriend. She can like all that stuff. It's great ancillary benefits, but it's not, that's not in my desire. I just, it'd be nice to have your gas and gas money paid for car paid for and be able to live, you know, put stuff in your apartment. But like who needed money in college? Part of the beauty of college was you didn't have any money. I, I understand it for kids that have to send it home. But in college, like, dudes just burn through it because they don't really need it and they don't know how to manage it. Yeah, all we cared about was having enough to go to Duff's on Sunday night. It was, bar, it, was a, it was a smorgasbord kind of place. My number two is Duke Carolina. Duke Carolina is the best games, right? How good are both this year? Um, Carolina is the perfect example of when people don't when chemistry being such a huge factor right? right so what i was told was last year last year that brady manic was the guy that somewhere mid-season you know got on to some of the some of the guards was like hey pass the ball you know and um you eliminate a guy who's a grown-up who also can make shots can play the four can play the five and now you have really talented dudes, but 
hey guys, there's just one basketball. And remember, coming back always sounds like a good thing until guys come back. And then they come back and they see <laughs> others having success in the NBA and they're harder to coach. They expect everybody else to lay down for them. They expect everybody to have the same agenda to feed them the basketball. I, I just, I think that's what Carolina, I don't think it's a talent thing. I think it's a chemistry thing. And uh, th- th- this is a hard one. Uh, for Duke, um, they have a ton of talent. They, they're really, really talented group, and they have a couple older players. Um, he might have a couple too many guys. Sometimes it's easier, you know, it's end time, it's easier to coach when you got, when you know exactly what you have. I think they're good enough to be there at the end. I think Carolina, ultimately, if they can get them all focused on one agenda, can be there in the end. I think they're both in that second tier as of right now. Uh, Duke is one that I expect to get better and better because their young guys are getting older. Um, and Carolina, it's only going to be about their chemistry. And if Huber can get that thing figured out, because their guards are selfish. It's the only way. I mean, Caleb Love would be a hard one to play with. And he's a talented kid. Um, but they, they, they have to. And look, you and I have done this long enough, you as a coach and then as a broadcaster. Even when, when Coach Williams was there, they didn't play defense the first half of the year. right? They just didn't. But then when you got to February, they started to crank it up and really play defense. This team not in, get super engaged defensively and offensively. They're just a bit selfish. And other teams? They got do like the thing about college basketball now is transfer portal and the NIL programs have do like they played Alabama and Alabama's got dudes. <laughs> they got the SEC teams, they use that money well. They have players. But it's spread across the landscape of college basketball. That I mean, that's why you're seeing SWAC teams able to pop a pop a game here or there. And some of these uh, low and mid majors win a game is because uh, on one level, they have really good players that were frustrated at a higher level, weren't playing as much, and now get to transfer down and play right away. And then they have that same energy uh, to, to, to show the high major, mid major that they should have been playing at that level. Uh, but anyway, how good are Carolina and Duke? They're good. I think top 15 caliber. Carolina's deal is chemistry, and Duke's deal, I think, is experience. Um, I did not think this until last year, and uh, I did back in the 80s when, or 90s when both Indiana and Purdue were really good. Last year I saw just an incredible scene in Bloomington. So part of me is biased, there's no question, but they both, both I, I think this year Purdue's best basketball team in terms of resume. I'm not saying in terms of whether they're going to be or not. And I think Indiana's been a fraud. I think Indiana's been a disappointment. I think Indiana should be better. They're old. I know this guy Shafino's supposed to be all that, but, hell, they got everybody back. Having said that, it is my number one game this year. It is Indiana-Purdue. A lot of interest even now. Give me your thoughts on both. Um, I'm with you on Indiana, right? You're missing a key piece, but they're, they're, they, you feel like they should be better. And I also think that um, – and this is maybe a discussion for a different time. Like you and I would both like, do you really need NIL? The one thing it has done is uh, college guards and college big men are going to be how you build your program, right? Because those guys have to stay. You know, it's like Purdue's kind of nailed it, right? You got two kids. They're four-year players. They're great college players. They're smart, heady, tough. They're, they're all in. And Edie, who... I don't know. I don't know what what his future is like in the NBA because he, you know, in that game you have to move a lot more. 
and he can't move. He can't move yet. I don't know if he'll ever move. But in college, it's a magnificent thing to watch. Um, and then, you know, Trace Jackson Davis, perfect example. I don't know what he's like as an NBA player, but as a college player, he's awesome. Awesome. So is, I, I love Race Thompson. Um, Indiana, I, you know, it. I'm I'm waiting to see if they can. It's also hard. That league is hard, boy. But they haven't now. They've only just barely started in that league. But uh, I, I'm with you. They have a little bit of that. Guys that come back, do they are they all playing on one agenda, or are they trying to play to show themselves right now? And for Purdue, I mean, I think Painter does as good a job as anybody who does it, who's ever done it in terms of not just how they play and how hard they play, but the culture of the place and being about the place. And you and I, we had this discussion last year. It's not that Jay Ivey's a bad dude, but Jay Ivey just didn't kind of fit the Purdue kind of all in mentality. It felt like, and there'll probably be a better program over the next three or four years because of it, even if his talent is better than anybody who's on that roster. So it, last year it felt like they all kind of, Give him the ball, and oh, what's Jaden going to do? We'll just play off. And now they just play. You know, now there's there's no egos and there's no agendas. They they just play. And Edie's really improved. Uh, they're they're both in that same Duke and Carolina discussion. Is you know for when if Indiana gets fully healthy, but also the chemistry of getting them to play together. And Purdue, I think my question is: Do those two guards, you know, do they roll up on a Big Twelve SEC? Houston type of team where their guards, because they're young, just get somebody climbs into them and out athletes them and they get they're a little tentative offensively. But other than that, it, it is a great rivalry and going to be probably peak rivalry game this year. I think if you're saying this year, I'm going to agree with you. There is one that you missed. Did you mention UCLA, Arizona? No, but I should because I think Arizona is really good. Yeah, and it's and it's one of the last times they're going to play, right? Because they're splitting up leagues. Um, oh, and yeah, UCLA's, yeah. UCLA's good, um, and you know, like you know, what you're going to get from mixed teams. Like they're going to get better and better. They're they're good. They got some youth in their backcourt. Um, and I love you'll love Jaime Hawkins. I don't know how much. You, I mean, he's he's just he's our kind of player. Anybody's kind of player. Tough kid, makes shots, plays both ends, guards multiple positions. So that one's a good one. Um, Gonzaga St. Mary's also like that's one of those ones where you watch St. Mary's in warmups and you're like, no way, no chance. Um, but every year they seems like every year they beat them, but they give them a hell of a game. St. Mary's got a, a freshman, Aiden uh, Mahaney. He's from literally right next door. It's a school right next door to St. Mary's. He grew up, but he's a high level player. They just moved him into the starting lineup. And uh, I mean, same here. That's those are the best ones out here. And then um, the uh, another kind of sneaky one is, uh, well, I mean, it used to be San Diego State BYU used to be awesome. Now they're not in the same league. We got to figure out this way to get in the same league. But uh, the Mountain West has some has some good ones. When San Diego State goes to New Mexico, New Mexico's. Have you? When was the last time you did a game at the Pit? Uh, last time I was at the pit was 93. We beat UCLA, or 92. Uh, beat UCLA to go to the uh, NCAA final. Yeah, by, a, by, by 100, yeah. Game could still be yeah. going. Yeah. Killed yeah. him. And that was a, a good I team. remember that we game. Had, yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, the, I got the two things. The, One. Go. Uh, the Hawkes family, Jaime, 
His dad, his mom, his aunts, his uncles all stayed with me for two weeks here in Indianapolis during the NCAA tournament. His aunt is one of my wife's best all-time players. So they all moved in, and we had an absolute blast. Second thing, to your point, I always made fun of St. Mary's. I always said they're full of crap. I did a St. Mary's Valpo NIT game, and I'm like, St. Mary's couldn't play in the MAC until they beat the dog out of my Hoosiers last year, Doug. When they beat Indiana by 30 and Indiana started whining about being tired and we had to play in date, I, I didn't care. The collar kicked our ass, and I wasn't happy about it, so I'm all in on St. Mary's. Dude, Randy, uh, Rand, Randy Bennett is such an incredible coach. I mean, he's yeah. really and, – and, again, like, every time you see him, and every time you see him in warm-ups, you're just like, no way. There's just no way. And then they every beat time. St. Mary's. They beat, beat Gonzaga. And they, I mean, you're just like, oh, my gosh. They just uh, – they, they defend. They share it. They can shoot it. And he's as good as teaching how to play off a ball screen as anybody – that there is, and you, and and I, I'm sure you've never been to that campus. That campus is so cool. It's like summer camp. It's it's in the it's in the mountains. <laughs> uh, on the it's in the mountains, kind of on the other side of the hill of Oakland. And you, you would swear you don't know where you are, or it's like a time warp. You're like in the 1960s. It's really cool. I like it. Hey, my man. Thanks for hopping back on. This is fun. Thanks for jumping back on. Thanks for respecting the show. Always respect the show, Double D. Thanks, brother. That's, he's great. Listen to him in the afternoon. There is an uh, announcement. Ryan Walters. Ryan Walters has been named the new football coach at Purdue. I will tell you about Ryan Walters when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Purdue, Purdue has a new football coach. He is Illinois defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters. That's what people are telling me. Walters' defense at Illinois ranked numero uno in the country. He was the defensive coordinator of the year. He's a guy that has been at Illinois for only a couple of years. He, let me go through his uh, deal here. Actually, he was there one year at Illinois. He was at Missouri as a defensive coordinator, safeties coach uh, for five years. He was at Memphis, North Texas, Oklahoma as a graduate assistant, Arizona, Colorado. He graduated from Colorado in 08 and was a really good safety there. And he and his wife have two children. This is what's interesting about hiring Ryan Walters as the, uh, excuse me, head coach at Purdue. Number one, he's never been a head coach, which isn't any big deal. But number two, he's a defensive guy. You know, think about Purdue real quick. Purdue hired Jeff Brom, and when they hired Jeff Brom, what were they getting? They were getting a cutting-edge offensive guy. I got to tell you, I'm not thrilled if I'm Purdue. I'm sure he's a great defensive mind. I'm sure he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. But in modern college football, if I'm not getting an established guy, if I'm not getting a guy that I absolutely know can and will win, I want a defensive guy. I want a defensive guy as my coordinator. I want him as my coordinator, and I want to pay him a ton of cash. I do. But in the modern NFL, 
I don't want a defensive guy. You guys might. And as always, you know, we all run the risk of different things, but I don't want, I want offense. I want offense. Uh, He's 36 years old. That's great. Yay, Rock. Go fight. Win. Perfect age. Probably has a tremendous pedigree, which it looks like he does. I mean, he's been in the Big Ten for only a year. I don't want a defensive guy. I want Jeff Brom or a Jeff Brom kind of guy. I don't want Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom, he did well, and then he left. Smart. Get out. Keep keep your feet moving. Go home. But I just got to tell you, that's the way I look at it. You guys may look at it differently, and I don't blame you. But I'm, you know what? If I had a radio show in Indianapolis, I'd be ripping this higher. I don't care. 36 years old, no problem with that. Uh, young guy, not a, what, what would you say, uh, personable guy. I was just reading up on him. Good background, not great, good. Did a heck of a job over there at uh, Illinois for a year. Getting somebody off of Bielema's staff isn't like you just jump up and down and go, oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. I, that's just the way I look at it. They did lose their defensive guys, Matt uh, Hagan and uh, what's-his-face, uh, Ron English. That's fine. So they got a new defensive guy in here. It's like here in Indiana, it's like the Colts. I mean, who are you trying to beat? You're trying to beat Mahomes, right? Right? You're trying to go ahead and beat the best teams. You better be able to score points. And when you tell me you're building this with an offensive guard and inside out, yeah, I don't want to hear it. What I want to hear about is high-scoring offense with weapons. Now, Brom did a nice job. He got David Bell. He got Rondale Moore, the Maccabee kid. He did a great job of getting some weapons. And there was a couple others. I don't know if you remember this year, but at Purdue, they lost a couple of their best receivers, Milton Wright, out for the year. But they were still... They were still West champs. You know, when you break it down, you got to say, Brom did a hell of a job. Did a hell of a job. All I'm telling you is this. All I got to tell you is I don't want a defensive guy. I'll pay the defensive guy. I'll pay the defensive guy a ton of green. I'll pay a defensive guy more money than Carter has pills, is the old saying. I'm just telling you. I don't want a defensive guy as my coach. Not anymore. I want an offensive guy. i tell you who I, I think made a great hire. I think Tulsa made a great hire. Uh, I do. I think they made a great hire. I'm not telling you this guy won't be great. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just telling you, me personally, I do not want a defensive coach. Good for him. Yay, Ra. Go fight, win. I don't want a defensive coach. I want offense. That's it. Period. I want offense. Hey, did you see this? Did did you see any of this today? Look, I haven't gotten political enough lately. Um, Biden is talking, which means stupid has talking. He said the last several months, wages have gone up more than prices have gone up. That's a lie. My economic plan is working and we're just getting started. Inflation is back up. I mean, when Biden speaks, here's the deal. Let me ask you a question. If you were going to say to me, is it more important 
to say things that are going to be popular, or is it more important to tell the truth? Now, seriously, I want you to think about that. Like, I, 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 I just got to ask, because all I hear out of our liberal jackasses is we're doing great. Inflation is down when, in fact, it's up. It's 7.1%. Well, it takes time to get inflation down. Well, you caused the inflation. You, you, you caused it. Headline, Forbes magazine. Latest data reveals inflation may uh, decline, may be frustratingly slow. Okay. There you go. I mean, you, you tell me. Consumer prices in November were plus 7.1%. I don't know. So you guys tell me. If you guys think that this is true, then great. If you guys think inflation is going down, I have told you this, and I will continue to tell you this, and I will never stop telling you this. Never. And here it is. All right? It is. I don't want to hear out of my president the word inflation. I want gas prices down. And I want the stock market up. Now, I would add border to that. When I made my three, those three, it was based on the worst president of my lifetime, Jimmy Carter. You guys that are my age remember things like inflation, gas lines, gas prices going up. We've got insanity here And we've got the people being insane or saying, well, you know, everything's fine. No, it's not. No, it's unbelievable to me. It is legitimately unbelievable to me. I'm just telling you. That's it. It is incredible to me that we listen to this crap. So what is it? Would you rather somebody tell you the truth or would you rather somebody tell you what you want to hear? That's it. That's all I got. Oh, somebody said I'm woke. Yes, I am woke. Yes. Dan, Illinois lost to Indiana. That's all you need to know. I'm just telling you, I don't want a defensive coach if I'm Purdue. I want Jeff Brom. All right. Today's the big news, right? The big news of the day is Mike Leach has passed away. And it's horrible news. We've got another video from Mike Leach. Mike Leach provided us great entertainment. I mean, ten, ten years from now, there ain't, ain't going to be anybody talk to anybody. You know, it's going to be this. You know, do you want to go out on a date with me? I don't know. What do you look like? Well, I look kind of like this. Okay, well, what are your interests? Well, what do you think my interests are? Uh, Looking into this thing and typing into this, just like yours are. Well, yeah, no kidding. That's what everybody's doing. Yeah, that's right. Virtually everyone. (laughs) When, so coming up on this week, uh, we we do this like every Christmas. My brother-in-law, he comes here, and I think he, whatever, he likes to fish and all that stuff when we live on a lake. He likes to do that for Christmas. He gets the house to himself. He's a big old iron worker from Detroit, right? He's one of the few human beings I wouldn't mess with ever, ever, under any circumstance. All right, so he comes here. We go to Florida. 
I go to Florida. Lee goes to Florida. Uh, my son, my daughter, Lee's son, Lee's daughter, we all go to Florida. And we stay for a couple weeks. And we have a great time. But to Mike Leach's point, I'll sit there and I'll go, well, ladies and gentlemen, we brought you here to Florida so everybody can be on their phones. And then everybody goes, I'll be quiet, you know, blah, 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 blah. But he's not lying. That's the common sense stuff that we need in our world and we're going to miss. Because let's be honest, what do we really have in college football? We've got Lane Kiffin to save us. We've got Shane Beamer as one of the all-time great guys. we got Nick Saban dancing and telling everybody how awful they are. My guy, my new guy to follow, Primetime. Because i got to believe Primetime is going to say a lot of the things that guys our age would still say and he can get away with it. He's got a pass. Like people say, well, you know, the Bobby Knight era is not around. It ain't the Bobby Knight era. This is about primetime. So I'm all in on primetime carrying the torch for Mike Leach of honesty, common sense, and just calling out the stupidity that lives in our society. All right, speaking of that uh, uh, stupidity, let's do this. Who's the woke dope of the day? Uh, Dylan and Ryan, who do we got? New from Mattel, Barbie's boyfriend is getting a much needed and way more inclusive makeover. Introducing... His belly lets you know he's pregnant, and his beard lets you know he's a man. Because men can get pregnant just like women. In fact, there's no definition of women. We literally have no idea what a woman is. Pregnant Ken does all the normal things every birthing person does, like chest feed, then hide his breasts with chest binders. He rocks baby to sleep with his supple masculine arms. And Ken, being a man and therefore a good driver, can even put baby in the back of the car for a fun drive around town. But not everyone in Barbie world is as open-minded as Ken. Men can't get pregnant? Hey, wait a minute. You're just a woman on hormones. Shut up, bigot. Tell your birthing people to buy you a pregnant Ken today. Because why should women be the only ones who can experience the miracle of getting an abortion? My body, my choice. Available in the non-gender specific toy aisle at Target, adjacent to the chest binders for kids. Not legal for sale in Florida, Texas, or Saudi Arabia. Pregnant Ken, not actually a man. <laughs> Thank God for Elon Musk. Thank God Elon Musk allowed the Babylon Bee. Thank you, Elon Musk, for allowing the Babylon Bee back. Thank you, Elon Musk, for bringing some freaking common sense. Thank you, Elon Musk. Uh, Jennifer says, yeah, well, those are called beer bellies. (laughs) Oh, man. Connie Harris says, what in the hell? It's the Babylon Bee. It's a satirical site that people in Twitter all got mad at. They got mad at it because it did things like this. Because, of course, in our country, I mean, don't you know, Connie? We must take everything serious. Any little slight must be met with, oh, I don't know. (laughs) Angst, anger, being offended. Oh, my God, you made fun of me. I, I don't know what to do. I'm offended. Yeah, well, pull this. It plays jingle bells. I will say this. That is one of the funniest things that I've ever seen. And I remember 
having a conversation. It was a weird conversation. It was just a conversation. It's not that big a deal when I was in high school. And we were discussing how much money could the first pregnant man make? You know what I'm saying? Like, I know now, well, well, you don't understand, but men can get pregnant. No, they can't. Biological men cannot get pregnant. Not today, not tomorrow, not the next day. No matter how much you tell me, no matter how much you say, no matter how much you try to cancel, biological men cannot get pregnant. That's all I'm going to tell you. You can tell me they can, and I'm going to say, no, they can't. And I do believe that science will back me. I do not think biological men can get pregnant. Jolly Harding says, that's funny as hell. You ain't lying. Honest to God. Honest to God. Dan, you've got to watch the Babylon Bee series about a couple moving from California to Texas. Maybe we'll play that tomorrow. I think all of our content should either be Libs of TikTok or the Babylon Bee. I don't know why it would go anywhere other than that. That seems to me to be the best thing that we can get. Did you see this? Did you see that the New York Times, I haven't told Dylan or Ryan this, but if you could pull up a picture, it would be much appreciated. Did you see what the New York Times did with that clown Fetterman? Did you see this? So Fetterman is considered, according to the New York Times, among the America's most stylish people. That's what the New York Times, that crazy sweatsuit shorts wearing is what, look at this guy. He's a beauty. Look it up right now. If you're on Twitter and just go, Hey, Fetterman, the New York Times named John Fetterman as one of its 93 most stylish people. Now, I didn't really want to make this about John Fetterman. I'm making this more about my, my thoughts. My thoughts are always this now, and this sucks. When I see somebody get an award, or I see somebody get promoted, or I see somebody with a woke agenda that is doing well, I always wonder, did they earn it? I do. Did they earn it? Did they earn it, or was that just given to them? Because I don't care what anybody says. There are, there are, ladies and gentlemen, 93 more stylish people than John Fetterman. That's this guy. A big old slob walking around looking like a big old slob. Now, I'm sorry if it offends you that now I look and go, did that person deserve that job? Did that person deserve that ranking? Did that person deserve that award? And it's not only black or white. which I know is what people will make, and of course it's not. It's woke or not woke. Woke award. Not woke, we ignore you. What are we seeing right now? For the most part, we're seeing a complete and total disregard for the Twitter files Elon Musk is putting out by the traditional legacy media. Why? Woke or not woke? It's literally that simple. That's why I'm kind of proud to be on this network. I've never voted for Trump. I couldn't. I couldn't vote for that clown Hillary. I couldn't vote for Biden. What has two thumbs and voted for himself? This guy. Why? Because I'm an honest guy. I give you common sense. So I understand that people can turn things. I understand that people will say, hey, this is racist, or this is sexist, or this is misogynist. I don't know. I think it's the world we live in. 
Why'd that person, John Fetterman, get named to one of the 93 best, most stylish people? Total liberal bias. I not only have the best hair in Congress, but I brought Carhartt to Capitol Hill four years ago. That is a uh, representative, Tim Burchett, from Tennessee. He's a Republican. That's exactly right. Uh, A staffer for Greg Abbott says, how does the New York Times justify putting John Fetterman on the same list as the late Queen Elizabeth? Uh, Nachanba Solochevic, a a D.C. consultant, says, what is the New York Times smoking? Look, I got to tell you, we all know the deal. And we all do the same. The reason you listen to shows, I'm going to give it to you straight. You sit there, and maybe it's in your own job. Maybe it's in a company that you, maybe it's somebody on TV. Maybe it's somebody in Congress. It ain't black or white. It's woke and not woke. You want to get a job at a place like the New York Times, the Washington Post, 90% of the media? Just go woke. Write an article to them. Tell them that you support whatever they support. They'll hire you tomorrow. They do. Hell, in our, Gannett is laying off a zillion. This was just told to me. Gannett is laying off a zillion writers. Indianapolis, Indianapolis star writers, blah, 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 blah. You know who they're not laying off? Their diversity staff. Their inclusion staff. Of course not. Hey, Writers get laid off left and right. David Woods, really good writer here. He gets laid off. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, the diversity staff ain't getting laid off. The inclusion staff, the woke staff ain't getting laid off. No chance, no way, no how. That was my accountant. I got to pay taxes. I'm telling you, it's interesting. That's my accountant. I told him I'd call him at 11. Like a good accountant, he calls early. But I got to tell you, I'll end with how I started. I don't want to pay taxes anymore. I never had a problem paying taxes. Never. Zero. Zip. (laughs) Nada. Now I got a problem. Hate paying taxes. Hate seeing my tax money go overseas. Hate seeing my tax money going to Pete Buttigieg flying on a private plane. Hate it. But I'll call him back. I'll pay my fair share because, frankly, I don't want to end up in the joint. Ryan and Dylan and Aaron and Gary, the whole crew. Uh, Haley, thank you all so much. We are back in business, baby. We'll talk to you tomorrow.